the light coming down from heaven if you can just get under that yes. and get under the portal you can you yeah. can get all the, that that's new age this isn't a, this isn't just extra goodness from on top of your good already good that's not what revival is nope. it's definitely not a kiss from heaven as uh. ken Gurley pointed out earlier back on the podcast. It's the Grace Escape Podcast. Yes, it is. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Justin. And by grace, through grace, we escaped a high control fundamental Pentecostal church that we spent over 30 years in, guys. We How did. about anyone else out there? Yeah. I so we welcome people out there. That oh, have. there are. We hear from them. <laughs> we do. And we welcome the new ones that have just uh, stumbled across, like my words. <laughs> stumbled across the podcast or if you're um returning welcome back welcome back yes and thank you for listening and sharing and commenting all the things we love to have you along this journey yeah we really um want to give i think you mentioned it when we were just talking this week about just really showing some appreciation to those that reach out and um say such kind words again we're we're just doing this to help others um, because of the grace and freedom we found once we got out of the church. And yes. so um, we get the opposite comments from time to time as well. Um, people saying just, if you're so happy out of the church, why don't you just leave well enough alone? Um, <laughs> well, we have a right to share our opinions and try it's to help. It's our podcast. Yeah. And you don't have to listen if you don't want to. Yep. As we said in the beginning, There's this an is- off button. I'm always um, intrigued um, at people that get irritated by what other people say. And I know, um, I, I know for myself when I start to get, as we do the research for the podcast, I mean, there's sometimes I'm getting so frustrated by the twisting of God's word and the things that are said um, by, uh, I won't even call them preachers anymore in some cases. And so sometimes I have to just shut it off and clear my head. Absolutely. So today we're going to talk about um, the hamster wheel of revival. Yes, and the obsession with it. Goodness gracious. Yeah. It's all they seem to want these days. And I mean, you know, it, revival can mean a lot of different things. It can. Definitely in today's modern charismatic movements and... Uh, and the church movement we came out of, the United Pentecostal Church or yes. any of the apostolic oneness Pentecostal churches, there's very much an obsession with revival. There really is. I'm not positive why they want more than what God's already done and given and provided and all the wonderful things that he gave us. Well, I think it's the Christ. same thing as they think that they need another day of Pentecost. Yes. They oh. need another outpouring because obviously the day of Pentecost wasn't good enough, like God's spirit coming and being poured out on all all it's, that believe. It's mind blowing. Mm -hmm. um, I, I heard a couple of pastors talking today on a um, journal type podcast. Uh, they said the day of Pentecost aftershock. These churches are looking for a day of Pentecost aftershock. I thought that was kind of funny. They do definitely want a repeat of that, of that day. Yeah. And we're not getting into cessationism or um, what's the other one? Continuationism. No. Oh yeah, continuationism or sensationism, sensationism. sensationism today. Um, but it's funny because 
they would, the charismatic camp, the Pentecostal camp, considers themselves continuationist, that God's spirit never stopped being poured out. Signs, wonders, and miracles didn't stop. The fivefold ministry, as in prophets and evangelists and especially apostles, didn't stop. He's still all, speaking today. Yeah. All of those things. Um, but then again, they act like it needs to happen, like it didn't, like it stopped. And they reference things like Azusa Street or Topeka, Kansas, or things of that nature as like God came back and did another great awakening, a great outpouring. Yeah. Making them restorationists. You're not a continuationist. <laughs> You're no, a restorationist. And that's my argument. Yeah. Um, but yeah. we're not getting into that today. And we're also not deep diving into past revivals like um, the Zusa street or the great uh, awakening, the 1700s, things like that. No. And, and the other thing is we're not, diminishing someone's experience that could be considered a revival either. Like if they were, they had had an encounter with God in the past and were followers of Christ and went away and then um, built idols up in their life and then had a revival, what a true revival would be, which is, um, we're going to talk about that. that. (laughs) So uh, that's what we're going to deep dive into. Well, we're going to try to at least. So just a a theme scripture really quick, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's not something we merit. We don't merit the gift of salvation by our own repentance or even by our faith. It's It's a gift. It was given. Yeah. And and the yes and the scripture says that unless the spirit calls and draws, Amen. we wouldn't even even be, be here able to say, yeah, that Christ is Lord. Right, we wouldn't yeah. even be able to say say that. So, um, let's get into the history um, really quick and kind of the obsession with revival. Um, if we look at just the word revival, as far as like what churches would consider it. Really, it goes back into the 1700s where it was first documented, the Great Awakening. Um, The term revival was used in Cotton Mather's work, Revival of Religion, in 1702. That's probably one of the earliest then. Yeah, and I would say that even in our experience, like the 30-plus years we were in, the movement that we were in, we saw different waves of what revival meant in the church and today, I think it's just a buzzword they use all the time. Yes. And it means a little bit different things today than it did when we were first in the it's, church. Yeah, it's kind I mean, of morphed as as time goes as time goes on. And um, it was used definitely in the religious, enth- enthusiastic religious meetings of like the frontier revivalists. Yeah, the, the Methodists. Methodists in the 1800s mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So a little bit of history on that. Um, but we really kind of want to get into what it meant for us growing up Yeah. in the UPC specifically, of course, the, the word revival is used again across the charismatic movement, but yeah, I mean, as a kid and I would say in our younger ages, it was really more about having multiple services in a row with special to me. That's what I thought of. Yeah. Special guest speakers. And, um, of course that meant probably more hyped up services to some extent, but it really was, we're going to have a revival and brother so-and-so or evangelist so-and-so is coming. And that's really what the revival meant. And then as 
time kind of ticked on in our life and the church, we saw it really morph more into um, an experience of what was going right. on in this service as much as it was like an extended service, right? But I want to go back to when we when we used to have multiple services a week. Do you remember the longest quote unquote revival yes. we were ever in? Um, it was like 21 weeks or something. I think it was 21 weeks. And that would be maybe taking one night off a week. And that was again to let the women do the laundry or do their hair, you know, wash their hair or there was jokes about it, but yeah, 21 weeks with one, um, family. Um, yeah, that would come every year actually to visit us. So as you were saying, the older we got, it started morphing into more of like a sort of an outpouring type thing that they would try to uh, harness or try to see. Yeah, all about feeling, experience, encounters, just um, just obsession with people being saved and joining the apostolic oneness movement. Um, I talk about that in my journey out because the year that I was out, that was all the focus was that year was about this end time prophecy revival that our church was the only one that had, and we were going to have this special fire revival that was going to spread all across the country. And I don't think that now that I'm out of that and have really watched other services and seen other churches outside of the church we were a part of for so many years. I don't think that's special just to us. I think that that uh, other churches say the same thing in different ways and use prophetic words or use visions and those sort of things to say the same thing. Like they have a special anointing. They have a special touch. They're going to do a special work that's going to spread all across the country or all across the world. So I think that that kind of idea of revival has been around for a while. You have the Toronto blessing, you have other um, NAR charismatic movements where this obsession with some sort of special time where God is pouring out again, almost like a day of Pentecost moment. But when you really look at those and do any kind of research, they're just, they're rife with all sorts of craziness, like Azusa Street. Um, And I really hope at some point we can deep dive into Azusa Street because in my coming out of the movement, I did quite a bit of research into it. And yeah, I, I would not want to be associated with that revival. Yeah. Well, and again, just another reminder that the Holy Spirit is the one that draws mm-hmm. into him. Um, and then they have faith from hearing the preached word. So um, I think I heard an analogy. It's like um, churches constantly looking on the horizon, like they're a surfer, like looking for the next wave. Yeah. God again is not, in. not sufficient enough in our everyday walk, we need this encounter again. We need this great awakening, this yeah. great movement. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Another thing that happened while we were kind of getting older was um, anytime there was a bump in the normal number of, of baptisms and Holy Ghost infillings, which is what they would call people getting saved, um, then it would be like, okay, we're in revival. You yeah, know? I think, again, we've talked about the numbers. The numbers do put, they do push the numbers a lot. And there are time, there are, um, scriptural references to in the new Testament and in acts where they give a, a number of how many people were brought into sure. salvation in Christ. But, um, yeah, I think there is an obsession revival. and a, and a tie in with the numbers to revival. Yeah. Yeah. 
we also, which was part of when I was kind of coming to the realization that things weren't lining up with the word of God. And I was having a real issue with what was going on in the church. We were also doing um, these long prayer revivals in between the service revivals. So we saw at least around the time I was making my exit, um, we wouldn't be doing the every night services, but in between it was prayer revival. So there was something happening at the church every single night of the week. And so that's another thing that we didn't maybe experience. We, we did prayer services and that sort of thing. But this, um, obsession too, with like 24 hour prayer, we see that, um, around these movements, not just in the United Pentecostal church or the church we came out of, but in some of these other, um, denominations as well, where it's like, we have to keep the fire on the altar all the time. Like somehow never goes out. It never goes out. If we do, then somehow God and his spirit in this revival is just going to Go away. Go away. As if it's not indwelling Mm -hmm. in us as believers. I remember them being very taxing because they would be very long and emotional, you know, and we would do them every night pretty much. So it was just, I don't know. It was. Yeah. It's like I talked about, I think in the last episode, no balance, just no balance to your personal life and your family and that, and everything is about what's going on in the church and you can only chase that so long is the thing. I mean, yeah. to where you burn, you'll, you'll burn out you and, do. and then it's like, okay, well, we're going to take a break and then come right back at it and try. And again, where is, where's the root of this? Where, why is, you know, where's this all coming from? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then kind of since we've been out and we've been kind of doing some research on the charismatic movement as a whole, it does seem like the church as a whole uh, has been taking on this thing where they are kind of mimicking tactics of what other churches have tried mm-hmm. to get revival to show up and um, things like the 24 seven prayers and fastings. And I, I know a new thing right now is the altar call seminars, you know, where they learn to pray people through and they learn to yeah, getting get yourself prepped saved. for the next wave. Right. Yeah. Getting, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's, uh, I heard someone refer to that kind of as reverse engineering. So it's like, they need to try to find a method. Right. And I, and I find that to be the case with a lot of these where they're studying what happened in the great awakening, or they're studying Mm -hmm. what happened in Azusa, or they're studying what happened obviously through a filter and saying, how can we, how can we do that again? How can we get to that again? And I think last year, if you, if you go back at the time of this recording in 2023, early 2023 in February, there was the Asbury revival Yes, and that made national news. And we saw some Pentecostal churches jump on the bandwagon (laughs) and try to um, mimic, mimic or ride the wave. In fact, uh, we want to show an Instagram clip from the first church in Pearland, Texas. And this is from last year. And it says here, a little bit of Asbury overflowing at first church. We're at eight hours after the sur- after the morning service. And so I think it also has to do with how long the services are too, or how long something starts mm-hmm. and doesn't stop, right? That, that can be a definition of a modern revival is, okay, we're starting, 
this. And, and that's what happened at Asbury, right? Yeah. Is that they had their chapel service and it didn't stop for didn't stop. weeks. And then people start coming and supposedly getting encounters there. And it's like a portal. They, they act like it's a portal where God is doing some miraculous thing. And if you can come and get there, then you can partake and a drink of that fire. Yeah. <laughs> it relegates it to a, a location. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. That is not a revival. So this was first church, as I mentioned last year, jumping on the Asbury revival wave. And um, so we want to go to the service where the pastor talks before in the morning Mm -hmm. and just get an idea of kind of what the setup is. Remember, they've already got their services kind of planned a little bit, um, but this revival in Asbury is taking place. So they're, they're kind of shifting what their services look like because of that. So let's play this clip and then we'll talk about it. And I, I'm very thankful for what the Lord is doing. In fact, I I will just tell you, my heart is incredibly full today. In the spirit, I'm standing on tiptoes right now. I have such anticipation for what is about to happen in the next few moments in this building. I believe with all of my heart, God is at work in our land. I believe that. I believe that neglected promises are shaking off the dust from their shoulders. Mm. I believe that distant prodigals are hearing the call of home. I believe stubborn sinners are finding their hearts warmed before God. I believe we're living in a unique day and age where God is at work and heaven is kissing the earth yet again. And for a brief moment. So that's the message title. Don't miss the kiss. Uh, uh, (laughs) Okay. Uh, hmm. Heaven kisses the earth. Yeah. Okay. So that's, again, I think they already had their series title um, planned. planned. Um, And so they're kind of morphing that now to reflect what's going on in, um, in Asbury. And so for a brief moment, things are going to change. And I just want to urge you today from the depth of my heart, don't miss the kiss. It's coming again. It's, it's a hamster wheel. You're chasing something that is it's coming. And this is my confusion a little bit is how, how is it here? How are we experiencing it? But it's going to be a moment. Don't miss it. And again, I think the analogy of a hamster wheel is so good because it's like, they're always chasing this next. What's next. Can I get what's next? Or another, you know, analogy would be a carrot on the stick, you know, like they're chasing something. I feel like he also is uh, preemptively putting pressure on people to Mm -hmm. automatically well, no wonder they stayed for eight hours after this service. Like he said, don't miss it. Yeah. And there's, Better there's other things it. that they, they do to make that happen. It's not like it's an organic thing in this case. No. Yeah. Coming. Heaven is kissing the earth. Whatever you do, don't get distracted. Whatever you do, don't get preoccupied. Whatever you do, don't prioritize other things. 
and say this means more because heaven is moving, the window is opening, and I want you right where that shaft of sunlight falls and it hits your face and it hits your loved ones, it hits your home, your marriage, everything that your hands do, don't miss the kiss. So I take that as kind of like a portal is opening up and this light is coming down and like you have to get under the light in order to experience this this movement or this experience or this encounter or whatever. And again, like with everything else, we have to go back to scripture to find out whether this is something that we can look after or chase after or even have in our life, right? Yes, we do need to compare to scripture, but I'm going to go ahead and say that heaven does not kiss the earth and uh, the Holy Spirit is not a portal in which you can go uh, try to get under. That's very new age Yep, and should be repented of. So uh, he goes on later towards the end of the service to kind of explain why he thinks um, Asbury is happening and um, why they can experience it there. I can't organize revival. That's what Dr. G. Campbell Morgan said. But we can set our sails to catch the wind from heaven when God chooses to blow on his people again. No. I believe there's a wind blowing. I want to get my sails up. I want to get them oriented where I can catch the wind of God surrender. So this is like, you need more, right? Like the Holy spirit and the word of God is not enough, but we have to also, God is moving in certain special ways and in special places at special times. And we've got to, you know, just get our sails in alignment or we're going to miss, we're going to miss it. And then we're left behind. So this puts a heavy burden and a heavy weight on people. This is extra biblical work that is not found in the new Testament at all. It's as we surrender, we receive the kiss of heaven. I told you I may come back to it. Let me just come back to it a moment. When I said a moment ago that young people are traditionally involved with awakening, why is that? The simple reason is they're more open to it. They don't worship at the shrine of schedule and calendar. Mm. I would point out that maybe young people are a little bit more naive in some ways. I know that we were growing up in this. We weren't taught to be good Bereans and study the scripture and see what the man of God was saying, whether it was aligning with scripture or not. And they're more vulnerable. Because they get they get picked up on all these little winds of different things going on in their lives. That's yep. I mean they're young, so how is that a positive? That's and I think the Bible talks about coming to God like a young child with faith and that sort of thing. So sure. we can we can we can come to God like a child, but in the context that he's talking about, he's again talking about the Asbury revival and why these so-called great awakenings seem to center around young people. Yeah. They don't worship at careers and vocations. They are not to that phase of life 
where the cares of life so overwhelm them that should heaven kiss the earth should that they are incognizant of it that they're busy doing what they've always been doing and we've got to get this done lord i surrender all we sing that all is in every chapter of the book of Acts. All is found more in the book of Acts than any New Testament. If you want a book of Acts, church, it's an all. Here comes the pad. I, think. I will give you all. I want to sit at your feet. This is a Bring song. from the cup in your hand. We don't drink. But I only have an hour and a half that I devoted I got things to do. I'm sorry, God. Just a little peck on the cheek, please, Lord. Don't breathe full life into me. I just don't have the time. I don't have the space. How is this pointing people to Christ and what he did for us on the cross? If the Father wanted to kiss you today kiss that would transform, a kiss that would revolutionize your life. Would you make time for it? Or would you say, sorry, Lord. I don't remember Paul telling any of the, in any of the books of the Bible that he wrote in the New Testament, mentioning anything like this. No, this is heavy, heavy um, manipulation, and it is emotional. Um, it's emotional abuse because it's manipulative. Mm -hmm. uh, but wow, yeah, it's very, it's a lot, it's burdens, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I mean, we go back to the scripture quite a bit, but Paul wrote to Timothy in the second book of Timothy, chapter three, verse 16, is that all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Complete. And equipped for every good work. So what this does is, again, it diminishes God's work and it diminishes what his word says and how that has everything we need. It diminishes the Holy Spirit's work in us and the fruit of the spirit that it helps manifest in our lives. And it turns it around and it puts it as works on us again. Mm -hmm. As extra stuff we got to do to work stuff up and, you know. Yeah. Um, and as I was doing some research actually last year on the Asbury Revival, I cr came across this um, blog post from the Battlefield Theologian. And he did some research. And um, the title of the article is Discerning the 2023 Asbury Revival, A History of February Revivals at Asbury University. And it's so interesting because he points out that this wasn't the first time that a quote unquote revival happened in Asbury. And um, he just poises, poses this question um, because they seem to have always happened in around February. And he, he just asks, you know, I don't want to judge people, but is the Holy Spirit only able to move in the month of February? Because um, if you look back at Asbury and they have ties to the Pentecostal movement, 
1905, February of 1905, February of 1908, February of 1921, February of 1950. Um, They were a little late in 1959 because it spilled into March. Then February of 1970, March of 1992, February of 2006, and then, of course, February of 2023. So um, it's just interesting because I think people were only focused last year on what was happening right then and there and didn't really do any sort of research to see. This is something that they've kind of done over and over again in in their history. Yeah, at least Um, before you prep your sermon for that Sunday. Yeah, and I love what he says here. He says, if revival continues to occur every one to 15 years at the school, what is the source of actual discipleship that transpires at this school to begin with? The model of evangelism and discipleship demonstrated in Acts is a continual growth of converts due to the confessing of sin, Mm. turning from the former self, and being made alive in Christ alongside the preaching and proclamation of God's word. God's word, yes. So then he he goes on to point out that a significant flag about this Asbury revival is the deep Pentecostal charismatic roots of the university. And I thought it was so good because he says, whereas he's not going to argue between the continuationist and the cessationist, cessationist view, he believes that it's essential, an essential element to the fellow Southern Baptists and other theologically aligned brothers and sisters to consider as this school holds to a Wesleyan holiness theology, which claims Christian perfection in sanctification. Mm. This is also known as an entire sanctification and is an instant second work of grace and a second bestowal of the spirit accompanied by deep emotion Mm. and strong physical tremblings. Oh boy. In other words, they are adding additional qualifications after salvation instead of pursuing holiness through the process of sanctification. We'll put a link down to this uh, blog post. Um, And just in conclusion, I'll read one more thing. It says a deep sense of personal conviction of sin and an urgent need for salvation must mark a true revival. Yes. It must emphasize the importance of a profound and abiding faith in God that is not based on superficial emotions or temporary enthusiasm, but based on a true transformation of the heart. And we're going to look in a moment at some biblical examples of what we would consider the mark of a revi- of a true revival. Yes. Oh boy! Wow. So, anyways, I thought it was just interesting to point out that um, as we have exited in the last few years, this revival movement continues to be a big, deep um, well that they draw from constantly. I don't know what the source is. But um, it certainly isn't new, and it certainly isn't stopping. And so we just decided, well, let's just look at something that's going on right now in the United Pentecostal Church and see, because again, we're not just cherry picking one thing and going, okay, this is what they all think or believe. But um, at the time of this recording, we just got done with um, one of the premier, as they would call it, um, conferences in the United Pentecostal Church, which is Landmark Conference in uh, Stockton, California at the Christian Life Church, Christian Life College. Christian Life Church, Christian Life College, both. Yeah, they have both. Um, And so Landmark goes on all week um, in the month of January, typically, and uh, been going on for, I think, 
50 40. or oh. 40 or 50 years. Uh, I'm not sure. But anyways, we just clicked on a few of the, uh, the um, services. Service. <laughs> and lo and behold, and we're not, we're not uh, making this up. Like they're talking about revival when we click on the anything the, on anything. I mean, and I'm not saying every single service, every single person that talked was saying revival, revival, revival. It just so happened to be that we clicked on one of them and that's what they were talking about. And, um, in fact, some of the messages are entitled, um, things about revival. And so yeah. we're going to play a Beautiful. couple clips to show you that this is what they think uh, needs to happen Still today. This is what they're preaching. Revival is. Yep. Revival, revival, and revival. Propagating a lie. So this, I believe, is um, the Men's Day. Yes. Um, and so let's uh, let's go ahead and listen to this clip. This is um, Doug Klein Kleinendenst. I don't know how to say that. I'm sorry, Doug. But um, you list things that a revival indicates, and I'm sorry, you're um, you're off. Not correct. So this is uh, Landmark Conference 2024. I think we all want revival? Well, that wasn't strong enough if we do. I'll give you a second chance. Oh. I think we all want revival. Thank you for the second chance. We, we all want to be a part of our church having great revival. We want to cast the devils out, see the signs, wonders, and miracles. We want our loved ones to be saved. We want to reap the harvest of our community. I, I think our hearts are sincere before God. We all want revival, at least the overwhelming majority of us. Everywhere I go, I meet people who are longing for great end-time revival for the outpouring and the demonstration of the power of God. That's Everyone I meet and talk to is desiring to see it. Yeah, they're obsessed with it. I will say I'm not meeting as many people who are willing to be inconvenienced mm. in order to possess it. Right. Of course They not. want it. They just don't want to have to change anything in order to obtain it. We want it, but we want it in the context of how we are, where we are, and what we're doing right now. Works, 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 but works, But I can works. tell you it doesn't come that way. Revival comes, anointing comes, blessing comes, miracles comes to those who inconvenience themselves and make room for it and make a place for it. And it becomes the singular desire of their soul. Mm. So that's how you get it, when it becomes the singular desire of your soul. That's how you obtain the Pentecostal v version of revival, and you get all these goody-goody <laughs> gumdrops of miracles, signs, and wonders, and everything else that he mentioned. And it's literally all you want. It has to be all that you want yeah. and are focused on. And you have to be ready to be inconvenienced to get it as well. Yeah, we're going to play a couple clips later on from that same conference, but mm -hmm. we're going to go ahead and look to scripture, which is what we should always look at to do any comparative work. Um, if you're seeing or hearing these types of things in your churches, or if you're just struggling on the outside, if you've already, you know, if you've been able to leave and you struggle in your mind about this hamster wheel, mm -hmm. then we want to kind of put that at ease in your mind. Yeah, because again, it's pounded into your head while you're in there. And so it, it takes time to 
get those things out of your head, the, the indoctrination of the church system. Yes. And one of those big things, again, is revival. And so you have to, again, compare what they're saying to what the Word of God says, and then that's how you can really rid the false doctrine, the twisting of God's Word, and get a good concept of what God's Word says about these kinds of things. And we know the word revival is not in the Bible, so... Um, we look to the scripture to find what would be the closest example of a revival, which obviously that word, again, is not being used, I think, in the church house as far as the, 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 the bigger church charismatic evangelical movement in the, quite in the right context. Right. It's not. So first we're going to go to second Chronicles, uh, chapter 28, where, uh, it talks about King Ahaz, who was a very wicked King. Mm -hmm. And, um, in verse 24, it says, and Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God and cut in pieces, the vessels of the house of God. He shut up the doors of the house of the Lord and he made himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem. In every city of Judah, he made high places to make offerings to other gods, provoking to anger the Lord, the God of his fathers. Yeah, so what we see here in this passage is King Ahaz just, he's flat out rebelling to God's word. Yes, he is. About everything it requires, everything it permits and forbids. Yeah, so as a result of this, the worship becomes polluted and Mm -hmm. the believer's at this time, and I don't even know if you could call them believers, but they need revival. They need to be brought back to God's word and what true worship looks like and what um, God's law said at the time. Yeah, they needed to repent for sure. So once King Ahaz died, his son Hezekiah became king at 25 years old. Uh, so then we'll we'll jump down to Second Chronicles uh, chapter 29, verse 2. It says in King King Hezekiah, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Mm -hmm. Lord, according to all that David, his father had done in the first year of his reign in the first month, he opened back up the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites and assembled them in the square on the east and said to them, hear me, Levites, now consecrate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers and carry out the filth from the holy place. For our fathers have been unfaithful and have done what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. They also shut the doors of the vestibule and put out the lamps and have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord came on Judah and Jerusalem, and he has made them an object of horror, of astonishment, and of hissing as you see with your own eyes. For behold, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity because of this. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, in order that his fierce anger may turn away from us. My sons, Do not now be negligent, for the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, to minister to him, and to be his ministers and make offerings to him. And in the first year of his reign, this is what he was already doing. And skipping down to verse 16, it says, The priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it. And they brought out all the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it and carried it out to Brook Kidron. 
They began to consecrate on the first day of the first month and on the 18th day of the month, they came to the vestibule of the Lord. Then for eight days, they consecrated the house of the Lord. And on the 16th day of the first month, they finished. Then they went into Hezekiah the king and said, we have cleansed all the house of the Lord the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and the table for the showbread and all its utensils, all the utensils that King Ahaz discarded, King Ahaz's father had discarded in his reign when he was faithless, we have made ready and consecrated and behold there before the altar of the Lord. So um, in verse 20, he begins to restore worship in the temple. That's what revival looks like. It's a turning away of sin, of sin, and going back to God's and word, turning back to God. Yeah. Then we also have King Josiah in Second Chronicles thirty-four. We find that in the eighth year of King Josiah's reign, he was still a boy at this time. He was. Um, he began to seek God. Yeah. The God of David, his father. And then in the 12th year of his reign, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places. He chopped down the altars of Baal. He cut down the incense altars. He broke the carved and metal images into pieces. Mm -hmm. He made them all into dust and scattered them all over the graves of the worshipers. He burnt the bones of the priests on their altars (laughs) and then cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. Yeah. In the 18th year of his reign, when he had cleansed the land and the house. He sent the governor and the others, guess what? To repair the house of the Lord, his God. The high priest, this is the good part. The high priest, Hilkiah, found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Mm. The book was brought to King Josiah and they told him that the repairs were done just as he had asked and commanded. When King Josiah heard and read the book of the law, he tore his clothes, Mm -hmm. realizing that their fathers had not kept the words of the Lord, according to the written law, the Torah. That's what they found. And um, to finish the story, we go to 2 Kings 23, where uh, in verse 1, it says, Then the king sent And all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord and with him, all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people joined in the covenant. Yeah. And then we see that King Josiah ordered all the vessels made for false gods to be brought out of the temple and he burned them outside. He broke down the houses of the male cult prostitutes that were in the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for false gods. They broke down the high places and all the shrines that there were there. They returned to Jerusalem and commanded all the people to follow the book of the law. Mm -hmm. They put away mediums, necromancers, idols, household gods and all abominations that he might establish the word of the law and restore the temple. Yeah. So let's pause here just as we're looking at all these. In some ways, I think that um, the charismatic movement, the UPC, I in particular, they do need a revival. They do need to turn back to God's word. Yes. These are um, 
These are good examples of what revival should and did look like in the Bible and how it should be. I mean, if yeah. this is what's happening in your church, well, yeah, then that's a revival. But Yeah, so I think if we boil this all down and look at what the, what the signs of a biblical revival would be, it would be coming to grips with the fact that you've abandoned what God has commanded. Yes. And so, as I said a moment ago, this is where I would call the UPC preachers to repent and come back to a biblical teaching of God's word and not a twisting of God's word to put heavy burdens on people. Amen. Yeah, it's a return to God and what his word says. It's a turning to God and it's a turning away from sin sin Mm -hmm. and apostasy. It also only applies to Christians because you have to, to, in order to be revived, you have to have once been alive, right? Right. I don't, yeah, it's, it's, it does seem like they don't get that really. Yeah. I um, heard someone say it like this, non-Christians can't be um, revivaled. <laughs> they have oh. to be regenerated They have first. to be regenerated. Yeah. Revival looks like a genuine change of heart, mm-hmm. a renewed commitment to follow God's ways. And um, in a true revival, the word of God is front and center. Yeah, and we see long-lasting fruit and evidence in in a true revival, not yeah. just um, of a, all these things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, what we want to kind of shift over to now is what revival isn't. Um, since <laughs> we gave we've, you the good news first, yeah, which is always fun to have the good news first. But let's go back over to landmark 2024 and um, see what's going on here at the final hurrah of Friday night with their big um, preacher, Jack Cunningham. And just to point out uh, his sermon title, get ready for in time apostolic revival. <laughs> Sorry. I just can't help myself. Okay, here we go. What that song just said that we worshiped with God can do anything. I want every pastor in this building to know that when I was sitting right over there, God spoke to me and said, tell the pastors to go home and have revival that I'm going to open. Okay, I have to pause it right off the bat because I just want to point out that no, God didn't talk in his ear over there while he was sitting there supposedly supposed to um, be worshiping along with everybody else, but he, he's special as God talks to him directly. Well, what we'll find out is what he was told by God um, isn't true and it isn't the word of God. So that therefore makes Jack Cunningham, unfortunately, a, a liar. false prophet. And if you are listening to this man, I would urge you to stop and to repent because he is not speaking truth. Mm -hmm. He's someone you should mark and avoid. And we're using him here as an example is why we're playing him. Um, But if you compare what the word of God says to what he says, it doesn't line up. Which means he didn't. Sorry, which means he didn't hear from God. So going to make a way. I'm going to remove the obstacles. I'm going to provide the money. God didn't say any of those things. He can do it. So that's how he starts off. 
Yeah. And he said that God told him to tell the pastors to go home and have revival, have revival. I don't know. Uh, okay. So again, we already compared to scripture, right? So that's going to be our measuring stick. So we know that revival is not an encounter with God. Mm -hmm. It's It's definitely not a kiss from heaven as (laughs) Ken Gurley pointed out earlier. No, it is not. It is not a season of unusual divine visitation. It's certainly not a scheduled event, as we will see in the next clip that we're going to play. And um, we like to trigger warning, give a trigger warning for this guy who we've played in the past. But if you're new around here, this is Josh Herring, and um, he's crazy and he screams a lot. And so if you've come out of the UPC, um, this could be a trigger. Give honor to him, give honor to Bishop, who, if you don't love the Bishop, I say it all the time, you're just going straight to hell. So good luck with that. Enjoy it with eternity. But uh, give him honor because Bishop is probably one of the greatest Christians I have ever met in my entire life. Um, As we said on our last episode, this is a form of spiritual abuse. This is a form of pastor worship, which we didn't talk about, but here's an example of it. And, um, yeah, this is another man to mark and avoid. Eek. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And I give honor to missionary brother borders. And I, I told pastor Myers, I said, I like it when I hear someone that's apostolic in the pulpit and he is clearly an apostolic man of God. And there will be revival in New Zealand when he gets there. Great, great revival. God has his hand on revival. Isn't because of a man. That's another thing to point out. Right. Man, it's about the word of God. I'm excited to hear what God's about to do in that nation. The book of Acts, chapter number eight. We're going to read verse three through verse eight. Acts chapter eight, verse three through verse eight. Praise the Lord. God is so good. It's a wonderful time to be alive in the presence of the Lord. Acts chapter 8 and verse number 3 says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ. Let me just point out the two things that they were doing. They were preaching the word and they were preaching Christ. Yeah. Unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, yes. hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Which For was a confirmation. Spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there God. was great joy in that city sounds like a revival turn to your neighbor and tell them i am a walking revival what so that's what we got out of there out of that passage is (laughs) i'm a walking revival so you can carry it around turn to your other neighbor and tell them i am a walking revival no i will not are you ready to operate in the holy ghost tonight with me are you ready for god to do some stuff tonight 
Let's unbuckle it's the seatbelt. Let's release the things. gift of faith right now, shall we? Release the gift of faith right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ upon this house. We bind every demonic power that was declaring and decreeing from taking place tonight. We worship you in advance for miracles, signs, and wonders, and revival that's coming in the next 50 days to this church, to this city, to this nation, and even to New Zealand. I speak in the name of Jesus. Revival is about to explode we worship you someone lift up your voice and declare it god's about to move in your life you can't declare and decree a revival you can't plan a revival declaring and decreeing is not prayer i think we talked about that in a past episode yep. so that wasn't even prayer no nope. so that's scary and um oh but here he is trying to uh, scream at people that you can um, declare and decree a revival and that if you're a special glow-in-the-dark Christian, then you can bring revival wherever you're at. I will say that unless Josh Herring steps down from his post as a UPC pastor and repents for everything he just said, just in that one-minute clip or whatever. Mm -hmm. Which is from a while ago. There will not be revival, actually. No, so, because oh boy, even though he did read the Word of God, he... He didn't preach Christ and Christ crucified. He preached about doing things and being things and having encounters. And yeah, so that's, that's another example of um, how they think that there's these Holy ghost hotspots contained to one physical location, whether that be like we talked about Azusa street or Topeka, Kansas, or more recently Asbury. Yeah. You like can't it, you can't contain God to one place. Yeah, and it is not a special portal, which we've already covered. Um, some sort of special God visitation coming straight. You mean this the light coming down from heaven? The, the light coming down from heaven, if you can just get under that yes. and get under the portal, you can you yeah. can get all the that that's new age that's new age friends. Like that is that's is. rooted in some things that are not biblical. Um, and this one is, is uh, specific to, well, probably isn't specific, but it hits home because it was definitely something that our church embraced, which was that revival is some sort of fire mm -hmm. or whatever that you can yeah. catch and then collect and then take it back to your own church. Um, our church that we came from has a conference every year called fire conference. And that is where people, pastors of all kinds can come, not of all kinds, sorry, pastors of all. One is Pentecostalism. Sure. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, can come and collect that fire and then take it home. And they call that revival. Yeah. Where in the Bible are we taught that we can do that? Well, nowhere, and um, if you actually study fire in the Bible, although the day of Pentecost has some reference to fire, fire in the Bible is a sign of judgment in many, many of the passages, and so um, I pray for fire revival um, for these people because yeah. God's judgment needs to come down so that they can repent and find um, salvation through grace. Yeah, and turn back to the word of God. If if your church is in need of revival, that means you have slipped into lukewarmness and apostasy. Yep. <laughs> That's not this isn't a 
This isn't just extra goodness from on top of your good, already good. That's not what revival is. Nope. I think also if you look at it, it's really like revival versus revivalism. It's an attempt of church leaders to pursue the results of true revival by other means than what scripture really would tell you is true repentance. I mean, true revival. What yeah. scripture would tell you is true revival. Yeah. Churches seem to have like a revivalism just mode now rather mm-hmm. than just it being revival. It's more about constant pursuit. Yeah. And as we already mentioned, it's it's definitely revival is not about a man, even though um, you see this very rampant in the organization that we came out of. And going back to uh, landmark uh, 2024, here's another clip of... Um, a false prophet and an apostle, as they would call him. We found that out. Jack Cunningham. I have enjoyed the preaching. I always enjoy the worship. Last night, your pastor. <laughs> Revelation. Now, if he's your pastor... Or their obsession with host and sorry, you just their their obsession with fresh revelation as well. If he's your pastor, or if he's your host and you just like him, I want you to stand up and whistle, clap, scream, holler, let him know how much you love him. This like is pastor worship right here. This like is he's a celebrity. Pastor worship. Are we watching any more of this? Yes. You may be seated. Now, when he... Gross. For me, he thought he was going to get even with me. And he told all my people to do what you just did. I said, there's only one problem with this. You don't like it, but I love it. Narcissism. I want you to know part of being in a revival church and all of you that are here from some other church, you hear me for your pastor and your church. Part of being a part of a revival church is loving the angel of the church, loving the man of God, respecting the anointed one. Honor him with all you can. Let them know how glad you are that you've got a one God apostolic, holiness believing, anointed man of God to bring you the word of God. Oh boy. The angel of the church. Yeah. This is this is again Ooh. just a really good clip to show that this man is um this is not even in the word of God, but he's twisting God's word and um telling people if you want to have revival you have to do this so mark and avoid this man yes and if by all of this that we've shown you now by this point um if you don't know the dangers of what an assumed revival Mm -hmm. looks like we're just gonna list some for you yeah i think uh, the first one would be just the pressure on the participants to keep it going you know um if we went back and played that first church clip and Gurley, uh ken Gurley, um they you know he talks about 
you know, we need to go on and on and on and on. And then they, and then they bring the musicians in and they do the pads and they, they go on for another, I don't know how long, but they're just copying. They were just copying what Asbury was doing and somebody would get up and talk and then they would go back to music. And then he says, we're just going to keep this going all day. So this pressure that you have to keep it going, whether it be in the service or in large part, keep the revival always going. It's this chasing, constant chasing. Um, Well, and I'm just thinking like in Asbury's case, and actually it's been in every case, uh, where there's advertisement or or promotion of it, like Mm -hmm. on the news or in the papers. Yeah, and we saw that with Asbury, with social media being a big thing. But if you go back to Azusa Street, it was in the newspaper um, and spread other ways like that. And I know like even a pastor can be very, they can try to confirm and, and, and push that revival is happening. And so there's a battle with the flesh for sure, because you get tired Mm -hmm. just in our own. Well, and this idea that an assumption that you can't, that you can't have an experience or a work of the spirit from from anywhere. Yeah that it has to be in this special service or this special place or this, again, this portal that's coming down as described as a sunlight. Yeah. I think um, false hope is another danger. This is can be damaging to faith. This topic comes up a lot in our podcast about mm-hmm. damaged faith. Yep. These things, um, you get your hope built up because... Um, especially these charismatics that believe in uh, the end time revival type position they right. take. Uh, <clears throat> they're saying we're in the end times right now. Constantly. We're in the last days. You yeah. better get on board. This, this last day revival. church. You'll hear this last day church, this end time revival over and over and over again. You go five months, even five years down the road and you turn around and it doesn't look like revival at all what you were a part of. You know, things start well, to yeah. fizzle and it may stop. It can't, completely. it's not, yeah, it can't, you can't sustain that. Like what happened at Asbury or what happened at yeah. Azusa street. Like if you go back and look at those again, people were staying up for hours and hours and hours. So it's no wonder weird things were happening. Like people making animal noises or even reports of levitation. Like people oh boy. were just losing their minds. And there's a bit of that. I know that there's well-intentioned people and I'm not trying to judge those that, um, are seeking some sort of encounter from God, but we have to go back to scripture again and see, do we see any of the apostles preaching that you should be seeking an, an encounter or an extra biblical work of, something in your life to build you up to this next level. Or as we've talked about in previous episodes, they're constantly talking about the next level. They're constantly talking about raising the atmosphere. A lot of new age um, practices. The contentment that comes from resting in knowing that the Holy Spirit is doing the perfect work in you Mm -hmm. is, oh, it it's it's beautiful off. when you can truly turn to God's word and and realize we have everything we need there and that we can find peace in his word. We can find hope. We can find joy. We can find everything we need um, for our life. Uh, another one is the, you know, when pastors get up and say these things, 
we're in revival or revival's coming or whatever, it lends to a just trust us type view because they're telling you, well then- Or in the case of Jack Cunningham saying, God just told me. Yes. So you then you do have to trust them, right? Well then if revival doesn't happen or it doesn't stay or it isn't here, <laughs> number one, it's not even- biblical revival because we just read that we read examples in scripture so it's not and that's lying saying that it's here when it isn't here so you find you have a dis then you have a distrust in your church leaders which is not well, again, I would say that that is why it's so important to be good Bereans and go back. And if you are sitting under a pastor, you should be checking what they're saying to what the word of yes. God is. Even if they're sprinkling scripture in here and there, it's like we need to continually go back. And even when we watch people that we may agree a lot with, we still have to not just listen to what people say. Same with us. Like we're not we're not ones that have every bit of truth figured out. Um, yeah. and so we have, we have to go back to the instruction manual, which is the Bible and yes. see what it says. Amen. Yeah. I think there's also this idea that like we're special, you know, which can turn into pride in the case, in many cases, because you feel like God has something special for you. You're some sort of special person or you're some special church or you're some sp- you know, special yeah. moment in time. He's choosing you and your church mm-hmm. to do something extra. And um, yeah, so I think also it's an abandoning of the biblical fact that Christ and his spirit is present for us in every single biblically biblical gathering, which is two or more. Yeah, any any Christ believer, when they are with another Christ believer, they're filled with God's Holy Spirit. Amen. And so in that in that environment, you have the Holy Spirit with you. Yes. And so as we were reading those Old Testament passages, I was thinking about how we don't have to have a temple anymore. We don't have to have a priest because God himself lives inside of us and we are now considered priests. We're a royal priesthood according to the Bible. And so that's why we can look to the Old Testament as examples of what it all points us to, which is Christ's ultimate work in a new believer's life. Oh, amen. That was good. Um, Also, a lot of times with these new, with all these methods, they're trying to get revival. It's putting our hope in a method and not in the Lord and hoping that souls will just come to Christ because of something we're doing instead of realizing that that work happens through a drawing of the Holy spirit. And we can, we can be an instrument in the process when we preach God's word, when we open God's word would be a better way of putting it and showing people both law and gospel Amen. and the hope that we have in Christ. Yeah. So, um, a lot of times in these revivals, there's inflated numbers of people coming in, of people converting, of people, uh, uh, even prodigals. I know? heard, sorry to interrupt, but I heard of one church that they would count people every time they came in the building for their attendance. Oh, um, even if they went out and came back in, they would be counted ag- again oh. so that they could <laughs> inflate the numbers. I also heard of a church recently that has decided to um, not uh, 
like restart the ticker every year on counting their baptisms or their spirit and fillings. And they're just going to keep the numbers from last year so that they can have these big numbers. Because, <laughs> you know, if you leave out last, you know, if you leave off last year with a hundred so people supposedly getting um, converted, then what does it look like when you start back over at zero? So let's just keep the number going. Yeah. And, and the idea that like revival is still going and that it's not stopping. Yeah, those are inflated numbers. Yep. I think it's very important to point out that it takes law and gospel for true repentance, regeneration, and conversion. So unless that that is happening in your revival, your converted numbers, quote unquote, may not actually be converted. Yeah, and again, I think you're ch- then then you're just chasing numbers. Yeah, and not really what the focus should be on, which is regeneration through Christ. Which I think is a great segue into um, probably a bigger topic we might want to talk about in a different episode because in studying for this episode, it it felt like its own episode because it's so important and good. Yeah, I think let's, about. because we've already kind of gone long on this one, I think that we can just brush the, the surface of this and and get people excited for our next episode. Okay, I could just um, give a little summary, which is just talking about true sal- true conversion and what that looks evidence like. Evidence of salvation. Yeah, it it really is pointed to um, that. Well, first of all, souls aren't going to come to Christ because of a revival. They come because of the drawing of the Holy Spirit and hearing the preached word of God. Souls might be saved during a revival, but they're not a result of right. So um, just keep that in mind. And then also just uh, preaching law and gospel. That is what... Heavy emphasis on gospel. But yeah, we have to... Um, the law is what reveals what God requires. Yeah. And then the gospel shows us yeah. that there was only one person that could fulfill that perfectly. And so he paid the price and the oh. penalty for our sins by dying on the cross. And not only did he die, but he rose again on the third day showing that he was God because he rose himself from the dead. And um, then he gave us the promise of the Holy spirit. um, Thank you. That will live in us. And when we let the Holy spirit work in us, that uh, brings us to good works in Christ Jesus. And so that's the hope of the gospel That's the hope of getting out of a workspace system, of getting out of chasing and being on the hamster wheel of revival and thinking that you need a second encounter or thinking you need something. If you've fallen away from Christ and you've built idols in your life and God's word is not a part of your life anymore, then yeah, you do need a biblical revival. But to find that, you have to turn back to God's word. You have to open his word and find what he says. And you'll find hope in that. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to close is is to remind us that we do have the word of God. We probably you probably have several copies just sitting around in your own home. Or you can get it digitally on your computer in a second. Anywhere. And also that believers have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. It's not a location specific thing. We walk around with the power. Of that, God himself living God in us. Himself. We're not God. Let's make that clear. But no. he's given us what the scripture says is just a portion of what our inheritance is. And yes. that's the Holy Spirit in us. Yeah. Amen. 
And then um, a couple of things just in closing, just as reminders, just we would want to encourage everyone to objectively analyze whatever uptick is going on or you are experiencing either in your church or in your own life. And remember too, that we should, we should discern through our feelings. So a lot of this, um, uh, experiencing of what they call revival is very emotional. It's very, uh, experiential. It's very, um, well, you use the word feelings and I've noticed, and maybe I'm just noticing it more now and it's not being said more, but you'll notice the word feeling coming out of their mouth a lot. So I would say that is a, um, something to kind of be a flag to you, maybe a red flag. Mm -hmm. If you're hearing a minister talking about feelings all the time, because we don't walk by feelings, but you'll, you'll hear them talk about feelings quite a bit in these hyper charismatic churches. They They say, I believe they say, I feel Mm -hmm. things like that. I think. Um, and then just don't be distracted by shiny objects. You know, we can get really as humans for sure. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of this is, is chasing the next is like, I need something more and we can have that in our life. If we're not, um, being content, the scripture calls us to be content in all things. And so I think revival is just, it's really idolatry probably boiled down in the church where we're chasing something that God isn't promised the church, um, which is these second encounters of some special portal coming down to give you more goosebumps or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Are you hearing long gospel preached in a true revival? The word of God should be front and center. We already talked about that. The law is given to convict us of our sin. Preaching the law makes those those that are living in sin uncomfortable to stay in their sin. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, but it doesn't end there. The gospel is what brings us the good news, and it gives comfort to those that are choosing to be repentant of their sin. Um, I think it'd be good to read uh, where we find the gospel. It's First Corinthians fifteen. Paul clearly states it. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Yeah. So I think in closing, we can just say, you don't have to stay on the hamster wheel, always oh. chasing the next. You can, you can step off today. <laughs> you can. Yeah. I mean, just simple things like loving and serving your neighbors, your family, your spouses, and training your children, serving those that God puts in your path and yeah, I would say just living our lives faithful in obedience to God is what we should be striving for. Yeah, that's what we should be looking towards, not um, chasing something more, something more, something more. Yeah, oh. we hope that this uh, was helpful to you. If yes. you know someone that it would be, we would love for you to share it. And um, also just we love to hear from you. So you can, yes. there's ways below how to get a hold of us or you can comment and um 
And thank you again to everyone that shares and that, oh, we get we get the kindest, most thoughtful, godly Christian um, comments and emails from yeah. people that are so supportive and so encouraging. Yeah. Oh, so thank you for know. reaching out. We yeah, really appreciate you don't know it. what that means to us. Yeah, it can get a little discouraging sometimes when your head is buried in doing this kind of a work. And um, we just... You know, we started this podcast out because we wanted to help other people be free and to share our story and our journey as we've kind of walked through it and have conversations about what it looks like. And so it's morphed into really diving deep into certain subjects and that can get a little wearisome at times, um, especially when you're listening to false prophets over and over and over against false teachers. So it's so encouraging to hear from you. Thank you for your kind words. And if you're going through something, you can also reach out. We love to pray for our listeners because we know that the journey can be very hard and difficult. Yeah whatever space you're in the journey at the beginning, the middle or the end, but it is worth it in the end. And God will give you the strength and there's a community out there and resources. So. Amen. Amen. And until next time, we hope you have a really great week and, um, and and we go ahead and be blessed in God was was what I was going to say. Yeah. And we hope that we will see you even though we won't see you. Not with our eyes, not with our eyes on the next episode of the Grace Escape podcast. Yes. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye.